Why, dude? Just take it from take We Are Your Host. Take it from We Are Your Host. Yeah, right, I, I already deleted it. I deleted it. Oh, <laughs> it's ready, ready? Jabronatron. Welcome to Tail Time Podcast. Welcome to Tail Time Podcast, everybody. The podcast where we tell your stories here in this Turkish prison, chained to the wall and surviving on two scraps of dry stale bread and murky water every day. Why do we do this, Dan? Why? We do it for you, of course, because we're dedicated to you and the stories you have to tell. Even now, as the sadistic warden whips all three of us into bloody submission. Daddy. Until we descend into the depths of pure madness or perish an untimely death. We are <laughs> completely dedicated to your cause. We are your hosts. I am Andrew Brunig. To the left of me is the man voted most likely to choke on a turkey and Swiss panini sandwich in high school. Oh. Dan Bohomer. And to the right of me is the world-renowned pancake flipper, Jacob Bransky. You heard that? That was. That's how you know it's a good flip. Yeah. You know what would have been even funnier if you did another dolphin noise. That. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as usual, our fourth host Jeff is running a tad bit late. Um, but uh, let us begin. He's running late again. <laughs> Oh my god, alright, fire this guy, would you? Before we get started, we'd like to thank a few people for their help with this podcast. Uh, the book Pace and Method Piano, Pace and Method Teaches Creativity, Matthew Hayducky, the very talented graphic artist over at tpublic.com, and Nick Palmer, the very talented everyman at par- parablemedia.format.com. Unintended consequences. Listeners at home, how many of you have set a plan in motion only to have it stupendously backfire? I know many of us in our modern society have implemented things such as multitasking in order to maximize our busy and stressful days. Perhaps you thought breakfast in the bath would give you those few extra minutes you need on your heavy morning commute. Perhaps also, though, you didn't account for the slight incline on your bathtub enclosure and can only watch in horror as the plugged-in toaster slowly slipped into the soapy waters by your feet. Whatever the instance is, we all deal with unintended consequences. Unforeseen costs that alter our lives forever. Who's making toast in the bathroom? I. It's just a hypothetical. I was just. It's the kind of the so first thing that came to my head. Fetched hypothetical. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> a lot of people do things to multitask. I don't. I could see a CEO of like. You don't think Jeff Bezos makes his toast in the bathtub? Not at all. You don't think so? I think that Marta makes his toast for him. Mm. In the morning. Oh, you think All so? Right. She's I, like, Mr. Bezos? Uh, Mr. Mr. Bezos? Does she have a phlegm there? Is that Your, what that was? Uh, toast is, uh, how you say, ready. Well, do you think you know of any unintended consequences in the future? Like, let's say that, Let's. can we scenario you right now? Is that all right? Put you with a, all right, so you graduate. Summa cum laude. Summa cum laude, dude. Like, up there. Super great. All the girls want you. All the guys, some guys want you too, whatever, you know. Mm, A plus plus student. Um, You're out in the job market, and what do you find? Where would your ultimate, uh, like, where would you you want to work in, like, Central Africa for a while, or, you know, maybe doing some pro bono work, or... Switzerland. Switzerland? You want to go to Switzerland? Switzerland's beautiful. That'd be sweet. What would you want to do in... I've been to Zurich. That was really beautiful. Mm. Up in the mountain. I'd want to... Can I be retired at this moment or no? Yeah, sure. Go for it. Oh, What's an dude. unintended consequence that you think might happen? Oh, this will happen. 
I will be a retired ski patrol. Uh, oh, yeah, that's super for cool. For sure. Yeah, in Switzerland. Is that unintended, though? I guess not. <laughs> because you're intending uh, to do it. Very much intending to do it. Like, this would be like, if you go there, you have a degree, let's say you're a super prominent doctor and but like you look in a crystal ball and you're, oh, I got you're an hurting sheep yeah i ended up liking skiing more than snowboarding that would be really and then and then you have your poles and like somebody is like in desperate need of help like they fell off the, the chairlift and you like go over like real quick and like stop next to them and like slip a little bit and your pole just goes straight through them straight that through is them. very unintended <laughs> that would be a very unintended and that is very consequential yes that's a really yeah. good one they died yeah, that's Instantly. fun. Let's think of it. Um, you get put into Swiss prison where you definitely didn't did not ever think you were gonna be. Yeah, and then you like you this get, Turkish prison right now, which is right, really yeah, dank and horrible and smells like turkey. Turkey, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know why there's actual turkey. turkeys around running. Oh, we thought that was a joke. We didn't actually think that they don't. They're not a fan of turkeys here. <laughs> apparently, it's like put the except for the ones the here. Jail. Yeah, that's yeah. not. So I don't. They turkey don't even jail. segregate the animals from the rest of the people you know no. turkeys have their own gang you don't mess with the turkey gangs yeah no the gobble gobble gang i got shit there. yesterday luckily they're only like what like two feet high so it was like around my ankle area it wasn't really big that bad turkey. but big turkey yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but we did strike back we started um like molding like paper mache little pilgrim hats and now they kind of know like what's up <laughs> they know, know what what what's mean? up yeah. yeah talk about thanksgiving we just drop it every once in a while but like, yeah can we get for that fat thanksgiving dinner yeah Cranberry sauce. Mm. I'm going to stuff you, boy. Slicing it. Slicing it real good. Yeah, I'm going to mash your taters. Very strange Turkish prison. Um, Serious reform needed in this country, absolutely. Oh, 100%, yeah. Yeah, at least put the turkey somewhere else. Also, I'm really glad that the Turkish guards let us bring our podcasting. Yeah, yeah, that was nice of them. That was nice of them. I feel like, you know, a lot of other countries are a lot nicer than... Than us. Yeah, I mean, pros and cons. Look at that. I mean, there's <laughs> pros and cons, you know, unintended consequence. We're arrested for smuggling contraband into Turkey, so they put us in this prison. But Contraband they, being turkeys. Right. Contraband <laughs> being the turkeys. <laughs> Dude, the consequence of that is they uh, they actually... Nobody is allowed to eat turkey. No one's allowed to eat turkey, right? But they did put the turkeys in here with us, so that's kind of sweet. They don't really separate you from our stuff, and it's a good place for us to do right. our podcast. Yeah. Today's story is called Not the Valentine's Night He Wanted by Renee Mulher. R.C. Mulhair was born in Lowell, Massachusetts, and grew up in one of the surrounding towns, in a hundred-year-old house up the street from an old cemetery. Ooh. Her interest in the dark and mysterious started when she was quite young, when her mother read the fairy tales of the Brothers Grimm and quoted the poetry of Sir Edgar Allan Poe. While her Irish storyteller father infused her with a fondness for strange creatures and quirky situations. A two-time Amazon best-selling author and member of the New England Horror Writers. Her work previously appeared with Atlantean Publishing, Macabre, Maine, Fun Dead Publications, Dead Man's Tome, and Weird Book Magazine. With four more stories already slated for release in 2019. She shares her home with her family, two small parrots, about 1,500 books, what? and an unknown number of eldritch things that rattle in the walls when she's writing late in the night. I've always wanted a parrot. <clears throat> yeah, parrots are really... Uh, Kelsey the parrot. What? It's funny. Yeah, Kelsey's a parrot, but she also has those two pit bulls. Dude, 
this parrot is behind this cage. It is the funniest parrot. He was definitely a stand-up comic in his last life. Because when the pit bull comes, there's, well, they have two. And one of them is Rosie, and she's just this stocky little refrigerator dude. And she's just, <laughs> she goes around like if she had human paws, she'd like walk on her knuckles, dude. Knuckles, dude, yeah. oh, she's so, but she goes up to the cage, right? And the bird will just be like... Well, I want to cry or whatever parrots, you know, just like mocking the dog and the dog just dead eyes it like through its soul. <laughs> and it's got this lockjaw, just this thousand ton slap. Like when it breaks a sound barrier, when this dog slaps its jaw and I and I die. I think I Snapchat it a couple of times because the bird just like, ah, ah, you're stupid or whatever, just like <laughs> mocking the dog. And the dog is, uh, I'm like, if that cage ever gets open, you are so dead. <laughs> the deadest parrot I've ever seen. And it's funny because you the, just open it up and you're drunk. You're just like, oh, oh my God, no. Because this dog is like, when she... Have you ever had a dog sit on you and it's just muscle? All muscle. Yeah. All muscle, dude. And you just kind of realize she's looking right at you and you're like, you could kill me right now. Like, you <laughs> yeah. can literally just engulf my entire face. But I, every time I see that parrot, I just like, <laughs> I giggle like I know. I'm just like, oh, you, <laughs> you poor, poor parrot. Um, thank you, Renee, for sending in your story. We very much appreciate it. Um, so this story is about when a devoted wife hopes to spice up her love life with her husband, so she visits a local psychic, and from there on, uh, there are some serious unintended consequences that arise because of it. So my two co-hosts today have been generous enough to partake in the story by being some voices in it. Fine thespians they are, I just want to... Thank them so much for what? participating. Jeff wants to know what his parts are. Jeff can sit in the corner and think about... What being the, on time means to him. The unintended consequence <laughs> of being an actual contributor to the podcast. So just sit over there, Jeff, and we will deal with you later. Damn, you got skunked, Jeff. Skunky Jeff again. Not the Valentine's night he'd wanted. The door to Madame Irina Stamos's psychic studio and celestial bookstore, a misspelling that Grigori, her assistant, insisted would attract and amuse the passerbys, I'm saying that because they spell studio with a P in front of it, opened, sending the cluster of bells attached chiming. Then it shut slowly, as if the person who'd entered had hesitated and contemplated stepping back out onto the Essex Street Pedestrian Mall. Irina, grinding lavender with a mortar and pestle in the back room of the shop, set her work aside on her cluttered workbench and taking off her apron, strode out to meet the customer. Near the large, well-polished oak table of tarot decks and bags of assorted crystals and bundles of herbs and sage for the more hands-on practitioners that dominated the shop floor, stood a small blonde woman in a long red coat with a black velvet collar turned up around her face as she peered around her. Her gathered posture suggested she expected to see jars full of eyes of newt and bottles of frog breath and other ultra things, and as if she expected some passerby to see her through the front display window and mock her or tap on the window to cry out in horror. Hello and welcome to my psychic studio. I am Madame Marina. How may I be of service to you? Irina asked, affecting a deep Garbo-esque voice. The duffers expected this sort of thing from the gifted like herself. And much as it irked her to put it on, she had to admit that this persona helped boost her sales. Are you in search of a love filter to warm the passions of your lover and help them reveal things they would normally conceal? 
Oh, this sounds so foolish. The young woman fumbled, looking toward the table to which Irina had added several bottles of ready-made love filters, mostly rose water and lavender, to give it a gentle boost. She turned away, her cheeks blushing bright red. No, no, have no fear. I am here to be your guide on the edge of the higher realm. <laughs> Irina said, putting a hand on the woman's shoulder. The woman looked up. I need help, she said, voice barely above a whisper. Then tell what you need help in achieving. The woman drew in a breath to steady herself, then speaking quickly as if to get the words out of her system, asked, Do you have a potion that can make a woman's breasts bigger for a night? For one night? The young woman nodded, relaxing a bit under Irina's touch, the tension lessening in her shoulders, but she still kept her gaze averted. Hmm. And dare I ask why a lovely young woman would want such a filter? Irina had an inkling why, but she sensed that the woman wanted, needed rather, to talk at some length about the reason behind this request. The young woman looked down at her modest chest, nicely proportioned with the rest of her small frame. It's silly. My husband, he wants me to get breast implants. I'm really not ready to go under the knife for something that permanent. Always the breasts, Irina thought, careful not to show her distaste in case the woman thought it directed at her. Almost as an act of sympathy, she reached back and adjusted her corset, which supported her own ample proportions. And you needn't if you don't want it. I do know a glamour that I can give you in answer to your wish. But what if he notices the next day, the woman said. Irina smiled and reached out to give her customer's shoulder a gentle squeeze. Darling, the day after you use his glamour, he'll appreciate you more. She felt her customer's shoulders relax. Thanks, thank you. But how much do I owe you? Fifty dollars for labor and supplies. Irina said. You don't need anything deeply personal, do you? Describe what you mean by deeply personal. It's a very broad term. Irina said gently. Oh, bodily fluids? My firstborn child? Or my full name? Or I don't know. The woman fumbled. The stuff of fiction, darling. Irina said. I will need seven hairs from your head, but those you can take from your hairbrush. I I think I bring you those later today. Will that give you enough time? The woman asked, reaching into her purse and taking out her checkbook and a pen. That will give me plenty of time. There's still a few days till Valentine's Day. Irina said. I'm Charlotte, by the way. Charlotte Jacoby, the woman said. Charlotte? That's a lovely name, Irina said. And no, I won't take it from you. Once the customer had paid her fee and gone on her way, adding a piece of rose quartz to her order, Irina stepped into the back room, putting her apron back on and reaching up to one of the well-stocked shelves above the workspace for a bottle of base liquid. Are you going through with making that potion? Grigori said, looking up from the pot of love filter on a hot plate and frowning with a nervous concern, one corner of his mouth quivering. I take it that means you heard everything? Irina asked, finding a clean beaker in the autoclave. I was practicing hearing projection, eavesdropping, you know. <laughs> he admitted, stirring the mixture with the cooking thermometer. She requested it and paid for it. The duffers want what they want, and they may not think about the consequences. Irina said, I hope you stressed to her the importance of handling the finished product carefully. Grigori said, I will when she comes back with the hairs. Irina said, You can warn people, but there's no way you can make anything completely idiot-proof. 
Especially when the doffers get involved, Grigori said. A half hour later, Charlotte returned with a hairbrush in her purse. Will these work, or would it be better if the hairs came right from my head? She asked, offering the brush to Irina. Either one works, but I would rather be kind to my customers and refrain from plucking their hair, Irina said. That's good. I hope that doesn't sound wrong, Charlotte said. With a pair of tweezers, Irina carefully drew several hairs from the brush, placing them on a clean plate set on the counter. Not at all. I am accustomed to people having questions and harmless concerns. It's nothing like people assuming you're going to turn them into a frog or spoil their milk or something, like back in the old Puritan days, Charlotte said. Irina chuckled gently. I get a few would-be wits and jesters who have asked me to turn someone into a frog, but it goes without saying that I turn them down. Not without tossing them a frog plush, Grigori added, coming from the back room with a tray of fresh pot bottles of love filter, which he set out on the front table. Charlotte chuckled gently at this. Do you do that? It was his idea. He even acquired a box of them from a supply house that stocks those crane games. Irina said, tilting her head toward Grigori. Nothing disarms a would-be joker like taking charge of the joke. The hairbrush somehow yielded only five hairs. Charlotte, on seeing this, reached up to her own head and carefully plucked two more hairs from her scalp, offering them to Irina, who added them to the dish. Taking it up, she went into the back room, carefully adding them to the mixture in a beaker bubbling gently on a tripod over a Bunsen burner. Charlotte approached the door to the back room, holding back from stepping inside. Is it all right if I take a look? I'm not encroaching on your magical space or something, am I? So long as you don't touch any of our tools. Irina said, taking a glass rod to stir the mixture slowly clockwise, pushing some of her own energy into it, a will to give this woman some delight from her foolish husband. Wow, it looks like a cross between an old-time kitchen and a chemistry lab in here, Charlotte said. Likely it does. There are links between alchemy and chemistry and what is cooking but a formula for a tasty meal. I never thought of it that way, Charlotte said. Irina took the mixture off the burner, setting the beaker aside on the workbench, giving it time to cool. She fetched a clean antique bottle from a shelf in the storeroom, along with a clean label which she labeled for Charlotte from Irina. Putting a funnel into the bottle and fitting a strainer over the beaker, she poured the mixture, now turning a light shade of purple into the bottle. Applying the label, she wrapped it in some pink butcher-type paper, twisting the top of it and tucking it into a black and red striped bag before handing it over. This is very important. Don't let anyone else but you drink it. Keep it refrigerated, but make sure no one knows it's there besides you. Irina warned. Especially someone male. Do I want to know why? Charlotte asked. It could have mm, troubling effects on anyone who drinks it. Who isn't you? Irina said, hoping her phrasing stressed the significance. Charlotte frowned, worried. Oh, don't look scared. It won't harm you. I can guarantee. Make sure that you conceal any leftovers carefully, and it should go well. If you don't finish it, bring the remainder back to me. I'll even refund part of the cost. I can do that, Charlotte said, taking the bag, carrying herself more confidently now. Randall J. Colby awoke in the night of Valentine's Day, thirsty and slipped out of bed, careful not to disturb Charlotte as she lay sprawled, contented beside him. After weeks and months of their love life had felt as if they just went through the motions. But tonight, the night for lovers, it finally felt as if it had risen from a coma. He didn't know quite what had happened to improve it after weeks of routine coupling. She'd worn him out, for one thing, and she looked fabulous. Maybe the new lingerie she had slipped into after dinner. Maybe something in the perfume he had given her. 
She had looked better than she had in weeks, more confident. Even he could swear she looked more shapely. Probably just the new red bustier, but he'd sworn her bust looked more abundant. He tiptoed into the kitchen, the light from the lamp in the backyard diffused through the kitchen window. He took down a glass from the cupboard and went to the refrigerator, rummaging in it, looking for something to drink. He spotted an unfamiliar old-fashioned glass bottle with an inch of purple liquid in the bottom. Figuring it was some kind of fruit juice or a health tonic of Charlotte's, he took it out and poured the contents into the glass, then put the bottle into the recycling bin. He sipped at the glass. The concoction tasted vaguely of roses and lavender, slightly fizzy as if carbonated. He took another sip, his head starting to feel light. Another sip, and he started feeling dizzy. He leaned against the kitchen counter. Warmth filled his belly, rising into his chest, settling into his pectorals. They started tingling, like a limb falling asleep if it had hung over the edge of the mattress. Something stirred on his chest, as if a pair of small fists unfolded slowly. The skin crackled and rustled. He felt his flesh expanding, a weight pulling on the front of his chest. He glanced down at himself. In the dim light, his pectorals never very substantial, though the weight lifting he reminded himself to do twice a week kept them in reasonable condition. He had breasts. Not the saggy things you saw on a shirtless old man or a fat guy, but the round, firm memories one found on a woman. A breast expansion tonic, he thought? Perhaps that explained why Charlotte's chest had looked so much more endowed than usual. He thought the new lingerie she had bought for the occasion had everything to do with it, but this made more sense. He reached down and gently prodded the flesh on his chest. Big mistake. Prodding them, even to see how firm they felt, encouraged their growth. He staggered back against the edge of the countertop, sw swaying on his feet from the weight dragging at his chest. He tried to plant one foot before him to steady himself as he felt the weight pull him forward. He stared down at the breasts, watching them swaying, even pulsing in the lamplight, growing larger at each pulse, growing from the size of grapefruits to cantaloupes to honeydew melons to full-size picnic watermelons, the size of duffel bags. The weight dragged at him, pulling him to his knees. The flesh plopped on the floor tiles, catching him like bizarre airbags strapped to his chest. The floor hitting them seemed to encourage them to expand. They inflated to the size of beanbag chairs. He scrabbled sideways on his knees, instinctively trying to break free, the flesh crackling and making slick, sickening noises. The weight dragged at him, sending shooting pains down his flanks and around his sides to his lower pack. Charlotte, help! He called. His breath started coming in gasps from the weight dragging at his chest, making it harder for his ribcage to lift. Randall? Charlotte called back sleepily. Out here, help! He panted. K kitchen Over the rustle of his flesh expanding, she heard Charlotte's slippered footsteps shuffling into the kitchen and across the tile floor. Randall? She asked. Then she clicked the overhead lamp on. The light illuminated the pasty flesh sagging from Randall's chest. Randall! She cried, running to his side. Oh, God, what happened? What did you get into? Purple bottle. Back of the fridge. Randall said, breathing hard. Thought it was fruit juice. Call 911. And tell them what? She said, but she went for the wall phone beside the stove, dialing it. Tell them anything. Randall begged. Hello? Something's happened. Something's wrong with my husband, Charlotte said. His chest is swelling up. Allergies? I don't think he has any. Please, come quick. He's having trouble breathing. 
I can't turn him onto his back. His chest is so swollen, it looks like it could crush him. Randall watched his flesh ballooning up before his face. A dim memory came to him. Jared, the guy in the next cubicle at the ad agency, showing him some fan art of Japanese animation girls with absurdly big breasts. Unreal, even by animation art standards. Is this some punishment for laughing at those pictures? Is this because I wanted Charlotte to have that breast augmentation? He wondered. His head swam from a lack of oxygen. He dimly heard an ambulance siren wail in the distance coming closer. He tried pulling himself up, tried sitting, but he felt his legs slip under him as he fell face first into the quivering flesh sagging from his chest. Charlotte paced the floor of the waiting area of the emergency ward in North Shore Medical Center, her coat and pants thrown on over the lacy silk peignoir set she'd worn for Valentine's night. Already she could feel the potion wearing off, and already the slightly increased weight on her chest felt like less than earlier. Thank heavens she had convinced Randall to stay home that night, rather than going to a fancy hotel as he had wanted initially. The emergency workers who'd arrived had had to strap two stretchers together before they hoisted Randall onto it, and the firefighters had had to hack apart the frame of the back door to get the stretcher outside to the waiting ambulance below. And then, they'd had to hire a box truck to transport him to the hospital. They'd put him on oxygen and started an IV of Benadryl, but he hadn't awoken up on the way. Damnest thing I'd ever seen, she heard one fireman say to another. Didn't your cousin have an obese patient that had a transport on a flatbed truck? Asked another <laughs> younger firefighter. Yeah, but that one was big all over. The older firefighter said. She wondered if she could contact Madame Irina, even at this late hour, and ask if she had a potion to counter the effect on Randall. Or was it like a fairy tale, where eating the wrong food, opening the wrong door, or using the wrong item would have consequences one could not imagine nor anticipate? If it weren't for that potion, if I hadn't put it someplace he could find it, if I dumped the remainder down the drain, none of this would have ever happened to him, she thought. If, 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 another part of her mind, the crabby part that came out during tense times, said, If he hadn't been bugging you for weeks about getting work done on your breasts, he brought this on himself. Serves him right. Who does he think he is, wheedling you about your body and what it should look like? She pushed this voice aside as a sturdy built Latina nurse with a name tag reading Mercedes pinned to her smock top approached her. Mrs. Jacoby, your husband's in recovery. Oh, thank God, Charlotte said, letting her breath out in a rush. Did they, did they stop the swelling? The swelling stopped, and they'd managed to drain some fluid, but the tissue, it's as if it grew suddenly and rapidly. So it wasn't just an allergic reaction? Charlotte asked. Not one that any of our staff or doctors have seen. So what do you need to do next? We're going to need to surgically remove the tissue, the nurse said. Charlotte put a hand to her chest, feeling a cringe inside her throat. You mean, cut it off? I'm afraid so, and we'll need someone to give informed consent. That would be me, unless he's alert? He's stable, but we have him heavily sedated to slow his aspirations, his breathing, so his chest and lungs aren't moving so much. The weight was compromising his breathing, and that's what made him pass out. So there's no other way? There's nothing else they can do? It's not the best means, but it's the only thing our surgeon on staff can do to help him. Can you give me a moment to think this over first? Charlotte asked. The nurse looked at her with compassion, but with a serious look in her dark eyes. You can take some time. But we need to treat your husband soon, before his condition gets worse. The nurse said and moved on to give Charlotte some space. Charlotte went in search of a payphone, looking up Irina's psychic studio in the thankfully intact phone book. She hesitated before dialing the number, wondering if she could get through. And if she did, would the potion maker be able to help her? 
or would she be willing to help? The woman had not seemed malicious, but maybe she had put up that front to lure in unsuspecting clients. Would she only mock her desperate customer if she called looking for help? She put the phone book back without calling, then walked to the nurse's station, where Mercedes quietly chatted with two other nurses. I think I'm ready to see to that informed consent, Charlotte said, gathering her wits. Very well. Let me call Dr. Kane. He's been taking care of your husband. He can tell you what it will entail. Mercedes replied, reaching for a phone on the desk before her. Some minutes later, Charlotte sat down with the surgeon, a slightly older but good-looking man. It's basically a radical breast reduction surgery, Dr. Kane said in conclusion. Charlotte tried to suppress a nervous laugh, but failed. Doctor, I'm sorry for laughing. I couldn't help myself. You see, Randall had wanted me to get breast implants, and now he's the one who needs the reverse kind of surgery. He regarded her with mild amusement, and she hoped he had not somehow put two and two together, figuring out what had caused her husband's condition. It's ironic. Almost cosmically so. But I guess that's besides the point, at least right now, he said. He looked her in the eye. And what was it that your husband drank before the swelling started? That was not the Valentine's night he'd wanted. By R.C. Mulhair. Thank you so much, Renee, for sending that in. That was a lovely story, and we... That was entertaining. Thoroughly appreciated uh, the characters. They were really, really good. That um, was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun reading that. Thank you so much for sending that in. You know, as many as unintended consequences we talked about tonight, I think that was probably the one that takes the cake. That was a really good one. Oh, yeah. That's pretty... Uh Serious. Yeah, just goes to show, you know, her misogynistic husband mm. serves him right. His name should have been Dick. Yep, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Got me too <So>, <laughs> real hard. Got me too real hard. <laughs> that was fun, though. That no, fun. that was a lot of fun. Thank you so much, so much for sending that in. Um, I love those kind of like macabre sort of yeah. back alley, uh, psychic, you know, gypsy I wonder what she would have said, right? I I wonder what she would have said the psychic. Like, I wonder what? what she would have said if she like, found out that. Oh, the psychic oh, later yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. The psychic. We did a great job. I think that was Academy Award worthy. <laughs> I wish I was better with my accents. If I could be like Dan. Oh man, that would have been fun. Dude, Dan. I don't know where Dan pulls him out of. Yeah. Like, sorry guys, I'm not like Dan. God. No, you did good though. You did really, really good. I think a psychic lady would have been proud. You know. Yeah. No. I wonder what. Uh, yeah, she probably. How are you getting? Like, in, I told you. Yo. Did you get in the character anyway? Were you thinking about like tarot cards or anything like that, or just? I've actually. Have you ever gone to a psychic? I don't know how they stay in business. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, because I see them all the time, and I'm like, and they have, like, prominent buildings. You go to buildings. them all the time? No, I see them all the time. I see them going down. Yeah, I, I go to them all the time. And you go to them all the time. Every single one. You know, I thought one of them would say I would succeed, but, you know, you're a failure. You might, yeah. I don't even, they don't even look at the cards. You're a shit-ass podcast with your dumb-ass friend. Right. And I tell her, <laughs> Can't will, read. Will, will you listen to it? She's like, oh, hell no. Get yeah. out of here. She doesn't even look at the little cards. She's like, oh, no, you're... You're a lost cause. Yeah. You you're going to be homeless in a year. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, friction. And that is our show. And we're back. And we're back. And <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's the end of it. Uh, thank you so much for tuning into Tail Time Podcast. We actively encourage all listeners or friends of listeners to submit their personal stories. And not just writers either. Not just writers, Dan. Nope. Nope. You got stories that are written on the, on the inside of a Turkish prison wall. We got you. Oh, yeah. Well, we already got that. 
you know, pretty lined up. I've been writing this one down for for a couple hours now. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, this what about t- the the turkey etching over there? Mm-hmm. I want to get got comic caveman strip. pictures of turkeys. Yeah, so you know, maybe we'll have to serious about this turkey ball. Yeah, if they haven't shivved us to death, then we'll probably have them on next week. You know, as possible guests or whatever. So, well, we accept poems, short stories, screenplay synopses, novels, what anything under the sun. Uh, we also accept personal anecdotes. Anything, you know. The FBI warning label at the beginning of movies. Mm. That's pretty good. Very exciting. <laughs> the inner desires of, of whatever Jake writes in his little pink diary every night. Did you tell him about that, Dan? That the recesses diary? of your sexual fantasies. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> well, everyone knows I have a pink diary now. Thanks, Andrew. Yep, and, and pink yes, hand goes the match. read through that if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, Find very interesting stories. Please submit stories to tailtimepodcast at gmail.com, and if you happen to prefer reading your own piece on the podcast yourself, please let us know, and we'd be happy to reach out to you. Tune in next week when we have our good friend Cal on, where he tells us about his journey from Lithuania. Romania. Close. <laughs>